I've been very, very, very skeptical of the growth of Airbnb. Mm-hmm. I really, really have, man. And people, people who are, are the diehard Airbnb hosts and, and people who teach courses on this online, or they have been so attacking me every chance. Because I've been very, very vocal about this. Yeah, I, I still think like Uber, or like Lyft. These were sectors that were created as part of these companies being built and then going public. Yes, there was no value when when Uber went public. How are you going to value this business based on what metric? Based on what? Mm-hmm. What's your? How, how are you comparing this to another business that went public? How are you, what, how are you determining your IPO? What's your multiple? Right. You don't have anything. This is a new business. Exactly. Airbnb was that way, and while I think that they're going to be around in perpetuity, they're going to be around for a long time. Mm-hmm. I do think that there's some serious problems with this business that it hasn't been impacted yet. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Higher Standard Podcast, where we give you ultra-premium, unfiltered truth when it comes to building your wealth and curating the lifestyle of your dreams. No games, no drama, and no shenanigans. I am your host, Chris Nahibi, and I'm here to help you distill the immense amount of information and disinformation out there on the interwebs and give you the opportunity to choose a higher standard for yourself. There are no gurus here, and no one gives a damn about how wealthy you look. I'm an attorney and a banker, amongst other things. Does that mean you should listen to me? Hell no. This is just full disclosure that while we talk about money, wealth, law, investing, and a lot of related topics, you should always speak to your own advisors for an opinion tailored to your unique investment perspective. I am obligated to tell you that nothing contained in this show is in fact legal or investment advice and is being provided solely for entertainment purposes. So sit back, Relax your mind and get ready for a different kind of podcast where we elevate your baseline in crispy, high-resolution audio. This isn't a different standard. It's the higher standard. Welcome back to the show, everyone. We missed you so much. So much. I am Chris Nahibi. I'm one of two hosts. Clearly, I'm not the sultry one. I will redo this goddamn intro. You better watch your tone, boy. Say your name. Say my name. Say no, my I'm name. Not say, I'm not doing same. Okay. Yeah. My name is Saeed Omar, everybody. If you like this show, please subscribe, whether that's on Apple or on Spotify. <laughs> I am not asking you for an honest five-star review. I, I thought we said we weren't going to do that. I didn't I didn't ask for it. You're the reason people skip the intro. Yeah. I, I want you to know that. <laughs> no, 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 no. It was you. It was you. It was you with the Sasha Baron Cohen and people didn't like that. I think they did. No, no. I think they did. So, kids, for those of you out there who do not have a LinkedIn profile... <laughs> I got to say, this is one of the best joys of my days. Every single day, I will wake up and there will inevitably be another asshole trying to connect with me in the most cliche possible fashion. Yeah, if you're going to do this, please be creative. Yeah, and they're not creative. And then here's the thing is you can pay LinkedIn to auto-populate your name into like a shtick, Ugh. but it's not personal. And sometimes they'll let you like pre-populate like your job. Like, I can see you're a chief credit officer at this, and it'll pre- but it's so disingenuous. Oh, my goodness. But don't take my word for it. Mm-hmm. We've got examples. Hi, Christopher. I'm looking to grow my network and would love to connect with fellow leaders like yourself. Yeah. Okay, so you just sent out a mass email with names of the people that you were going to reach. Right, that right. says yeah. nothing personal about me. Can you do a little bit of homework? I mean, I'm yeah. all over the internet. Can I get something? Yeah. Like, hey, I saw that you're balding. Yeah. You know, also good. <laughs> yeah, you would yeah. actually gain some brownie points. I'd probably respond to that message. Yeah. No, I'm not. I had a hair transplant. Yeah. <laughs> I'd love to connect and share how to win has helped 80% of reps at companies like Microsoft crush their quota on a regular basis. What the fuck does that have to do with me? Yeah, what are you doing, dude? Wait, what? Yeah, you're paying for that? Yeah, apparently he is. Christopher, we share mutual contacts and interests. Interest, let's connect. 
Do, do we really? No. And inevitably, you connect with some asshole like this. He waits like a day, says something like like met, like whatever, and then he's like, "Hey, let me tell you about my product." Or they turn into Jeffrey Dahmer. I I have literally Jeffrey Dahmer. That's a wow. Someone <laughs> got dark real quick. <laughs> Hi, Christopher. I would like to introduce Go Online Now, a web design and online marketing agency that is focusing on small and mid-sized companies. Curious on how web design and online marketing could help your company become more successful and profitable? Question mark. Let's connect. <laughs> is that is that the go-to phrase that I'm missing out on? Well, the connect. I remember yeah. back in the day when you would give your like school like yearbook to somebody to sign. At the end, they would always write K I T. I always felt awkward. Keep with in the touch. School yearbook thing. Yeah. Keep in touch. Why? No, we're not going to keep like, in touch though. It was you like know, a we're measuring not. thing. You you really believe you are in high school. But back then, back then, like we didn't even have cell phones. How are we keeping it in touch? Beepers, bro. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> What's your code? Yeah, you know, parents would not allow a beeper. <laughs> They were sold on the fact that only people that are drug dealers have beepers. And I'm like, come on, mom, it's the cool thing. I had a, I had a mobile phone in high school. A mobile phone in high school. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I did too by the time I was in high school. I mean, for you, though, that was really early. That's hurtful. Yes. It was inappropriate and rude. Mean, and I want to let you know that I'm going to talk to our HR tomorrow about this. Yeah, that's fine. Okay. <laughs> it might technically be HR or you. Yeah. <laughs> it's probably you, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. But my favorite of all, though, if you've been following all the cryptocurrency saga, this one came in my my inbox. I kid you not. This this week, I think it was a couple days ago. Hi, Christopher. We help companies to make additional profit by implementing crypto ATMs or our software solution in business. Let's keep in touch if you're interested. <laughs> my response, connect response. Is it an FTX crypto? Yeah, or yeah, I only take FTT tokens. If it's not FTX, yeah. not FTT, yeah. I don't want OPP. You know I'm, what I mean? <laughs> I'm out. Yeah. So, everybody, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, if you're listening to the show, that is not the way you connect to somebody on LinkedIn. And personally, I'm kind of old school here. If I haven't met you or connected with you or seen you somehow or have some connection to you, I'm not going to reach out and connect to you. That's weird. It's weird. You're, yeah. There are people who literally try to connect with everybody they can, try to make their network look as big as possible. Yeah. And uh, I got to tell you, um, that's kind of douchey. Yeah. That, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. Uh, I wouldn't be drawn to that. Yeah, not not drawn to that. But what you should be drawn to are things mm-hmm. like, um, I don't know, maybe the rising uh, Fed borrowing rates. Yes. Something yeah. that we've been talking about for quite some time. Well, then let's talk a little bit more about it. San Francisco Fed President Daly told CNBC that her most recent estimate puts the benchmark overnight lending rate around 5%. Over 5%. Well, at around is what it says. But at you, you can You can go ahead and change... What the Fed president says, because you're a Nobel <laughs> laureate, and she's not. Yeah, I know. She doesn't understand who she's playing with. Mm-hmm. You want to talk to her? Yeah, no, no. She sees a point where the Fed will be able to evaluate the impact of its hikes before moving higher, but that is not now. And this is a direct quote. Pausing is off the table right now. It's not even part of the discussion, Daly said it to CNBC in the article, obviously in our show notes. Mm-hmm. And I would point out that Saeed was one of the first proponents that said that he sees this Fed borrowing rate going north of 5%. I did. That's why you're a laureate, and that's why I just look here, you know, look Thank pretty. you. Thank you for noticing. I mean, so also in the news this week was uh, St. Louis's Fed Bullard was saying that the benchmark could raise as high as from 5 to 7%. I think that is... That's a, that's a stretch. That's a stretch. But I think what, what, he's try, what he's trying to point out is like, listen, I don't like how comfortable everyone's getting and celebrating these 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 reports that recently There's a lot out. of positivity out there right yeah, now. Between, way between too much CPI, positivity. PCE, and PPI. Yeah. Which has like got a lot of P's in it. Yeah. OPP, you know what yeah. I mean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of positivity in the atmosphere. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people talking about how, you know, oh, this is going to work out, blah, 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 rates will come down. 
We're on the downward trend for inflation. It's all positive. Gumdrops and lollipops and sprinkles and rainbows. And right. I don't know that it's all that. Right. I don't. Th- I don't think it is either. Um, but it got it got me wondering. I was actually talking to some people about this too, and they were asking us for more clarification on this because um, we were citing, you know, Fed President so and so, Fed President so and so, and we have Jerome Powell, and they're like, "What is all this?" So just for clarification, so everyone knows that there are twelve presidents of the Federal Reserve Board, right? Seven members of the Board of Governors of the Federal Reserve System are nominated by the president and confirmed by the Senate. They direct an open market operations that set U.S. monetary policy through their membership in the FOMC. So these are the individuals that get together in the FOMC meetings that decide what whether they're going to increase the borrowing rates that we always talk about. And then Jerome Powell comes out and is the one that gives off that message. He's a Fed secretary. Yes. Yeah. So point of reference here. Anytime you hear something from a Fed president talking. Yes. You should take that pretty seriously. That's a person who's in the meetings. Right. They got to vote. Exactly. So when she says pausing is off the table right now, she's not talking about the theoretical table or the table at her house and dinner and stuff right. like that. She's talking about the table where they're having the discussions to actually do this. Yes, exactly. So it's not even part of the discussion. She's talking about the discussion the FOMC is having that right. Jerome Powell has been reiterating and conversating with. Right, because I think people are starting to hear, okay, oh, so we're, we're diverting away from the 75 basis point increase. We're going down to 50. So is the pause coming? I mean, it's, it's like- And she's saying that is that is not even a conversation. Yeah. Because it's not even something we're talking about. Mm-hmm. We're going full steam ahead. That's the plan. We've seen nothing to deter us so far. Right. These members of the FOMC meetings, they're data driven. So like they're just going to continue to look at the reports and whatever the reports tell them to do. So they're going to keep increasing. And right now at the next meeting, December 14th, was it? December 14th. Yeah. December 14th. It's it's pr- predicted to be at 50 basis points. And in February, the prediction, and I believe Bloomberg was saying was 25 basis points. Um, so then right there would be hitting their initial Fed target rate. But what they're saying is, Look, that's a long ways away mm-hmm. for, for them to declare that we'll hold after that. What's the laggiest lagging indicator? <laughs> the laggiest? Laggiest lagging indicator. Hmm. You had a guess. I would You're say, a Nobel laureate, brother. This should be like an easy answer for you. It's got to be housing, right? Ooh, this no. Housing sector? Jobs. Mm, un- unemployment and jobs? Jobs. Jobs is the laggiest lagging indicator. How many months? Because I you know housing shelter is six to nine months. And technically speaking, jobs, typically uh, the unemployment numbers rise all the way through the end of a recessionary economy, typically come down continue, towards, yeah, towards the end, right, so right. hence the laggiest lagging indicator. Mm-hmm. Now, the reason why I ask you this question is because I want everybody out there in podcast listener land to remember back mm-hmm. to when the Fed was talking about inflation's transitory, man. Yeah. <laughs> it's transitory. Right. They were talking about the strong labor markets. Mm-hmm. but how strong unemployment was. That's what they kept referencing. They kept referencing that. Mm-hmm. That is the one thing that takes the longest amount of time to move. And that strong labor market is the number one thing that they really are focusing on and hoping to change to fight this inflation problem. And if that's true, mm-hmm. it's going to be a long, long time before you see that move. Right. And then also that came out today, Amazon CEO said, hey, uh, you guys know those uh, 10,000 jobs that we just got rid of? I know that sounded like a lot back then. I know, yeah. But 2023 is going to be a whole lot more. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I know yeah. I, I know we're making we're making fun of a bad situation, but- Not with you. I'm actually over here just laughing at you, you're, laughing at people. No, no, I'm not laughing at anybody. You're laughing at people. No, no, no. You're no, hurtful. No, no. Hopefully it's their second job. They still have the first job. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's but, a lot of those out there too. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so it, it goes it goes back to what we were saying. 2023, you're gonna really see that unemployment figure start to tick up. And companies are really gonna try to 
They're, they've been saying right size themselves for the environment. Yeah, and, and I, I should say that we, we did predict that. We talked about it happening and starting in October being a really impactful month and, and creeping into November where we are at now. I would expect equally a slowdown in December, layoffs and reductions in force typically happening during the holidays. It's, it's rare that it happens in that gap. Mm-hmm. But when you go into Q1 in a season where we know already going into it that earnings are going to be challenged, you can be the most profitable company in the world. Amazon, great example, right? Right. And you know that your earnings are going to be stressed. And your the market trades largely on how your earnings are in the market. They want to make sure that you're hitting your earnings, your targets, yes. right? Right. If you're going to be, if you've already done a, a reforecast of 2023, great, you're taking a hit in your stock price. But you now got to hit those revised earnings numbers. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them are going to make layoffs or reductions in force to make some of that happen. Yeah. And that's in their planned pro forma budgets. That's how they're planning to get to those earnings numbers. Right. And that's why sometimes you'll see after, after some layoffs, some of these companies, their stock price will start to go up. Yeah. And that, it, it's... It's incredibly weird how behavioral economics plays such a huge thing in the market. It's a huge role. For me, the first time I really appreciated how much trading is based on emotions like fear and even greed and mm-hmm. and these these weird Maybe things. Optimism or it just perceived optimism, right? It, it perceived value, not even real value. Perceived value. Tesla is a wonderful story for a great example. So or, people or, people invested in it for perceived optimism or crypto. Ooh. I'm just, it is what it is. Perceived optimism. Moment of silence for crypto, everybody. Yeah, yeah. It's so hard to say goodbye <laughs> to yesterday. You said that, not me. Yeah. <laughs> Although we've come. <laughs> I would like to point out these are the same mics that, that Michael Jackson used to record on, and it did not make me sound any better at all. <laughs> it sounded so bad. It sounded so bad. It's okay. But I know it's bad, so it's okay. You can yeah. make fun of me for me knowing what's bad. Yeah, yeah. But if I took it seriously, you made fun of me, you'd be an asshole. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so. There you go. <laughs> But yeah, uh, the market is a very weird thing. The first time I realized this, I was looking at a Bloomberg terminal. For those of you who haven't seen a Bloomberg terminal, you typically have two or three screens. The one that I use has three screens. And you just watch the numbers and the tickers and the stock price and everything kind of move. There's all these numbers on a screen. And you can generally wake up in the morning and get a piece of news like PPI coming out or CPI coming out as positive. Right. And come into the office and you can see the trend. Everything's green. Right. Like all the tickers are green. Everything in the sectors are green. It's in real time. In real time. And then you see uh, a negative print happens and then all red. Mm. And you see these things. And when you look back in this macro and you take it in in, in the context of a visual looking and we have. So what we typically have is we have in our, at least on our office anyway, a big screen TV on top. Mm-hmm. We have several different modules showing several different things in the market. Some of the treasuries, some are actual individual stocks in our case, bank sector stocks. Some of them are just you know things that are happening in the economy. There's a screen that's got a separate. There's two other screens down below. One's got news on it, and one typically has things like I I I love the forward moving uh, interest rate probability index. Right. So I have that there. So I'm looking at that constantly. I see it change throughout the day. Mm-hmm. But you can see these things changing in real time in the colors that are there. You can see the emotions. Right. When you step back in thirty thousand foot elevation, you can see the trading. It's hard to get that when you see a ticker at the bottom of a Bloomberg screen or CNBC screen going yeah. back, you know, across the screen, you don't really right. get the same vibe. But when you see it on these three screens right in front of you and you watch it trading live and you see these things happening, especially a great one is when you when you have like a known meeting coming up, like the Fed meetings. You know it's going to be like 11 o'clock. Yeah. And when it happens, you know, so you watch the screens and you have the Fed meeting on another screen and you're watching all these things at the same time. You can literally see the market reacting. Mm-hmm. It's incredible. When you think about the context of that happening, the Fed came out and they said they're going to do this, right? Right. 
or that. And in, in the last several meetings, it was a run-up before that where the screen was green, 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 green. They make the announcement, okay, everybody trades like normal. Right. But the one time they thought it was going to be 50 base points, one of being 75. Yes. Holy shit, the trading went all red. Yeah. When you think about it, nothing happened yet. Right. They just increased the rate that day. Not a whole lot changed. Nothing, not a whole lot changed. Right. But the emotions, the visceral response, all this stuff, man. We we think of trading as rational and logical. It's just so emotional. Right. So, so emotional. Speaking of emotional, mm -hmm. we did talk about how there was going to be a slight dip in mortgage rates. And I told people not to think it, especially if you follow my social media. Yes. And, uh, well, that happened. It was actually the sharpest decline, I think, since 2009 in mortgage rates. But... Um, yeah, 2009. Wow, I guess they're right. Yeah. Look at me. I actually remember what I read. Every once in a while. <laughs> so from CNBC, the article title, Sharp Drop in Mortgage Rates Does Little to Boost Demand. Thursday saw the sharpest one-day drop on in the average rate on the 30-year fixed mortgage since the daily re record-keeping began in 2009. On a weekly average, the rate on the 30-year fixed mortgage with conforming loan balances, in this case, $647,200, mm -hmm. decreased to 6.9% from 7.9%. One four percent, so not a huge decline, about twenty four basis points, right? right? Right, not massive, not massive, but enough to be significant as I far mean, as historical numbers speak, right? And then to drop from a seven handle back to a six handle, I know that you know might get people to want to now maybe lock that rate because I do think that this is going to go back up. But surprisingly, there wasn't a whole lot of increased demand. I think because that people think that exact same thing, right? If you're going into a, a lending shop and you're getting a loan, mm -hmm. let's work through the logistics here. Yeah. They give you a, a pre-approval, pre-qualification, but your rate is typically not locked until time of underwriting. Right. So it, there's some volatility there. They, they usually don't They don't want to lock it, right? Well, it depends on what kind of market you're in, but yeah. generally speaking, most lenders in this market will not want to lock it. They want to float you up. Yeah, exactly. So they're going to float you up because they don't know if next week rates go up, they want to mm -hmm. make sure. Now, if rates are going down, they want to lock it. Now, I know. I remember, I believe a month ago, 12% um, of all the transactions were starting to become adjustable rate mortgages. Yeah, I haven't looked into that again. We should look that up for the next episode. It's not significantly higher. I looked at I looked at some of the numbers earlier. Really, um, I think that the as much as we thought people were going to go in there, the problem is the transactional volume so low. Yeah, that you're just not seeing a lot of transactional volume. But, I think what we're doing is we're just seeing less and less volume over time. Right. What? Well, so for for those people that are listening, um, all the, eighteen of you, all eighteen of you, yeah, the adjustable rate mortgages are. Let's say you have a, a five one arm adjustable rate mortgage. Um, your interest rate is fixed for the first five years and you're typically only paying IO for the first five years. And after that, it adjusts. Or you're paying a lower teaser rate. Or yeah. you're paying a, a lower teaser rate. And uh, many of those adjustable rate mortgages are, have a starting interest rate at around 1% lower than the 30-year fixed rate mortgage. Yeah, which, when, when 30-year fixed rates are like, call it two and some change, high twos or low threes, they were like, they were they were they were exceptionally low rates, right? And some people took those, and I thought to myself, "Why? Well, why would you do that?" Right. But yeah, a lot we, of people did. We got some. We we got a Q and A section later that somebody asked us to break down how impactful, um, you know, the rising interest rate market is for housing, and we'll get into some payments later. I think it's hugely impactful. Yeah, frankly. I, of course. I, I, think, I mean, I I think that's part of what we mean when we say affordability without demand is a demand without affordability is not demand. Yeah, I screwed up our own quote. Damn, bro. Damn. Yeah, edit that out. No, leave that in there. Yeah, Let that people in. know that I'm human. Yeah. You know, they see me flawless so much of the time. I no, think that's, that's important. No, don't do that. You know, obviously my singing voice is not flawless, but, you yeah. know, I'm human. Okay. I like that. I'll let, I'm like, let, I'm let that go. I'm going to be honest. I made I made the song, the song sound bad on purpose. Yeah. I didn't want y'all <laughs> to feel bad about how you, you sing. <laughs> yeah, you can't be great at everything. Yeah, I, you know, I, 
Oh, I, I, don't want, I don't want my arrogance to be justified because then everybody <laughs> demonizes me for my excellence. Oh, boy. Me and Elon Musk, right? Yeah, we yeah. demand it. Yeah, just demand it. Yeah, if you listen to the last episode, we're going we're gonna to be merging some information from the previous episode because we're recording a back-to-back right now. Go back-to-back. Yeah, It's yeah. <laughs> a great quote, but it's fine. Rising mortgage rates could take 20% bite out of home prices, the real deal. So this is right to that that point. Right to this question, exactly. And and let, let's get into this. I, I thought this was a wonderful article. This one from the Federal Reserve Bank of Dallas. So along the lines of what Saeed was talking about earlier, mm-hmm. each Federal Reserve Bank has a Fed president who generally takes part in the FOMC, is one of the seven people, mm-hmm. and that is who generally makes these quotes so right and i have the locations too if we wanted to mention oh, yeah. you said you said this one's this at dallas, dallas yeah. right the other 11 are boston mm-hmm. new york philadelphia cleveland richmond virginia atlanta chicago st louis minneapolis kansas city and san francisco and the reason they want they, the reason why this is all spread out is because they want it decentralized yeah Funny how that works out. Yeah. <laughs> Crypto would be like, it's not really decentralized. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and now, now the irony is, is they're going, please do the same for us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we want to be decentralized like y'all. That Sam kid fucked up the party for everybody. <laughs> yeah. All right. A report from the Federal Reserve Bank of Dallas uh, is adding into the chorus of those predicting a big downturn in home prices. Home prices in the economy could fall 15 to 20% in a, quote, pessimistic scenario, according to the report published Tuesday. Mm-hmm. If that correlation happens, it could remove 0.5 to 0.7 percentage points from the customer consumer spending. Mm-hmm. Here's another quote from a Dallas Fed economist. Such a negative wealth effect on aggregate demand would further restrain housing demand, deepening the price correction and setting in motion a negative feedback loop. Dallas Fed economist Enrique Martinez Garcia wrote. Mm. So. I would say this sounds strikingly similar to the advice that Saeed and I have been lovingly handing out on the show. Yeah. But it also sounds very polar to advice that other people have been giving out on their shows. Mm-hmm. And it goes to show you just because they might have a massive following and sound something like this. House prices are going to go up every year for the next five years. How do you know if you're ready to buy a house? Because if you're ready to buy a house, you need to buy now doesn't necessarily mean that they're right or smart. Right, exactly. <laughs> That's so, so good. I would say I would trust Dallas Fed economist Enrique Martinez Garcia mm-hmm. over a real estate agent who makes money uh, by using affiliate links. Right. So, I mean, you can we, we know where this stems from, right? Because demand without affordability is not demand. With the interest rates going up, I think we cited on the show that people have lost approximately a hundred thousand dollars in buying power if you continue to lose buying power values need to come down in order for those people to now afford those houses and this is going to have to keep coming down so i think a 15 to 20 percent correction is going to be it so it and for those of you who listened to the show before we've often lamented about how the last two years have saw north of a 45 46 percent increase in home values yes and that the ideology of a market crash which is typically a 20% correction in any type of sector. Usually the stock market is referred to crashes, but there's also the housing crashes, 20% or more corrections in values. Yes. We always thought that was a nebulous term, mm-hmm. especially when you look at it in the context of the last two years. If you take away 20%, you're still 26% above where you would have been three years ago. Right. So we've said that so many times on the show that that I think it goes without saying that that's the way we feel. But here is an interesting quote that's strikingly similar to that philosophy from the same article. U.S. house prices started giving up their pandemic gains in recent months, the 46% gains. Right. 
with slight declines making the first decreases in two years because we know what happened in the last two years. Right. KPMG chief economist Diane Swank. What a name. Solid name. Solid name. Also a chief economist of KPMG, somebody mm-hmm. who probably has more experience competing than Mr. For, Ramsey. Mm, competing for the laureate against me. It's competing with the laureate. I think you got her though. Yeah. Swank is not exactly a <laughs> sexy name. Yeah, Omar. You got two first names. Yeah, three. At third? Yeah, yeah, middle name. What's your middle name? Muhammad. I thought it was asshole. <laughs> yeah, it's more that's, fitting. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Said asshole Omar. Yeah, that makes sense. That's what I've been calling you. Is that not so, right? That's so good. It's not. <laughs> wow, I've been doing this wrong uh, this whole time. Uh, I apologize. That man. wasn't I, hurtful. That was good. I don't mean to disrespect <laughs> you at all. I just that's what I thought. <laughs> it, that was good. So why does everybody else call you? I'm gonna that? take that. I'm gonna take that on the chin. <laughs> <laughs> take it. Not on the chin though. <laughs> so Diane Swank recently described the market as deflating from a pandemic-induced bubble after which a 15% drop in prices for the next year would qualify as very conservative. Mm. That's why you get the laureate, yeah. Saeed asshole Omar. Yeah. <laughs> That's why you get the laureate. Yeah, thank you. Because you are predating some major economist expectations for the market by making claims six, seven months before them. This is the value proposition I bring. Wow, look at you with SAT vocabulary. There you go. I, 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 Man. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, not, not to mention you're also quoting me because I use that all the time. All the time. I, I use the hell out of every, Yeah, you do. I try to use time. my wife to the night. It did not go very well. <laughs> Baby, my value proposition is I bring in the income and look sexy, okay? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's what I do. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I do for you. <laughs> she did not find that funny. Uh, All right, one more quote from this article. I think think there's some interesting stuff here. A severe housing bust from the frothy pandemic run-up isn't inevitable, the report said. Although the situation is challenging, there remains a window of opportunity to deflate the housing bubble while achieving the Fed's preferred outcome of a soft landing. And I like this because, Mm. especially because of this, there remains a window of opportunity to deflate the housing bubble. This is the positive look. Yes, this is the positive look that we should be preaching. That's what we should all be thinking about. Mm-hmm. I know everybody's like, oh, housing values have to go up. Now's the time to buy. Buy now. Whole, I mean, whatever. Right. Homes are overvalued relative to where earnings are, relative to where income is. Mm-hmm. Homes are overvalued just on an affordability standpoint. Right. Compared to the rate economy right now. Mm-hmm. It, they're just overvalued. Mm-hmm. I don't care if you like that. That's just a fact. Okay, they're the most unaffordable they've ever been in history. Yeah, they need to take be cor- that. They need it needs to be corrected. It needs to be corrected. This is a positive thing, mm-hmm. and the fact that the ho- the housing ho- the hose hosing- the them hosing them hose <laughs> the whole market <laughs> dried up first. Yeah, man, we really need to deflate that whole market. Yeah, that whole I mean? market is overpriced. You know how much it was in the last hole I bought. Come on, man. I'm talking about the gardening tools. What are you talking about? <laughs> what are you doing? No. This is why you're saying asshole Omar right here. Don't do that. Don't be that guy. <laughs> I'm trying to be a gardener. Yeah. I've got hobbies. And you're out here making everything perverted. Man. That's inappropriate. Man. Side asshole Omar. Sow. God damn these hoes. <laughs> okay. So, <laughs> so the, the housing market is was the first re- to react and is going through a housing recession. The National Association of Realtors came out super early and said that. Actually, somewhat surprised in retrospect they were that proactive about it. Mm-hmm. But and maybe I've got maybe I've misjudged, misjudged Lawrence Yoon, who's the, the their chief economist. But yeah, we didn't like him too much early on. No, I still don't like him. But yeah. maybe I misjudged him a little bit. I mean, he he d- did seem to get that concept early enough to where I can give him some credit. Right. But you know, I look. Well, at the what market. is your take? What is your take on this whole? Uh, I guess positive outlook on a, I guess potential soft landing. I, 
I don't, I mean, our, our boy Dr. Doom is saying that's out of the question. Noriel Rabini, no, a.k.a. Yeah. the CZ killer. Yeah, yeah, he's coming after CZ. Yeah. He wants all the smoke. You want the seven C's of crypto? Yeah, yeah. You got those memorized yet? <laughs> no, no, I already deleted those off the show notes. <laughs> <laughs> Suffice it to say, none of them were good and uh, yeah, none yeah. of them were crushing it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so, yeah, I, I, I don't think a soft landing is is was ever a possibility. I think... I think some of these terms that the Fed has used have been somewhat asinine. Okay, mm-hmm. inflation's transitory. Is it? It no. comes and it goes. Thank you, Captain Obvious. Yeah, yeah. Why yeah. are we throwing an SAT vocabulary think, to confuse America? I think when he when he first started to say that, what was it? Originally back in 2021. Yeah, 21. right. In 21, uh, I think what they were trying to cite was the um, supply chain. They thought it was a supply chain issue. That's why they were cons- calling it transitory. You want to talk about supply chain issue? Let's do that. I uh, know we <laughs> we can talk about the supply chain issue. No, but uh, that's why they were call- he was calling it transitory, just trying to downplay it. Now, in retrospect and in hindsight, not the case. Obviously, clearly not transitory. It's here to stay. Well, so inflation has never been transitory. It, it's it's uh, well, if you look at the macro hundred year perspective, yes, sure, it comes yeah. and it goes. Yes, it, it comes and goes very slowly. But inflation yeah. is very stubborn. That, that typically speaking, a twenty five basis point increase by the Fed, you know, the Fed would would move the needle a lot. Yeah, it should. But inflation has always been sticky. Inflation, mm-hmm. if you look back historically, it's never come and gone in a couple of months. I mean, mm-hmm. maybe if you were you were like a one percent higher than two or three percent the target rate for whatever the, the the Fed's trying to get to. But this this is this is not something that is simple to get through and the fact that we were characterizing that is crazy and we talked we kind of briefly touched on this the last episode mm-hmm. this whole supply chain issue argument yeah when was the last time you actually heard some shit about that i haven't it's been a while right right you remember all those boats that were out in the harbors like long beach harbor yeah they're not there anymore dude yeah so this whole idea that we were freaking out about oh my god the supply chain there's a chip shortage we need to have chips here blah 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 blah, blah. <laughs> i think the whole thing that well, that was designed to make nancy pelosi rich yeah. I mean, AKA Nancy Pelosi's husband, who invested in the stock, that she happened to go to visit the companies in Taiwan to find mm-hmm. White House orders. But you know, she's not telling her husband what she's doing. You know that that Nancy Pelosi, right? Whatever. It, there, there was no, there was no end the results. Like we, there wasn't a, a c- catastrophe. There wasn't anything big there. I, I don't understand. Yeah. So we had so many of this that was going on. Remember post pandemic, we we're like, oh, everyone's gonna go out and they're gonna spend all this money. It's gonna be great, and you know. All the stuff that we've been saying as a society, we look at and we don't take seriously. And the one thing that we should be taking seriously, like inflation, yeah, we're all like, ah, it's transitory. Ah, it'll go away. Yeah. Well, I mean, eh, it'll be better next. Based week. on the last couple of reports, consumer spending has has slowed down a little bit, which as it should, as it should. But this should have been something that was corrected, you know, several months ago. Um, but like you said, yeah, this is sticky. It's going to take some time. <sighs> I got nothing but time. Yeah, nothing but time. Hopefully the ratings of the show will continue to go through the roof, and um, yeah, hopefully those won't be transitory. Those will not be transitory. Yeah, those will stay. be sticky, like yeah, inflation. Sticky. You rise. Yeah, <laughs> you rise. All right. Speaking of rising, short-term rental listings increased to 1.38 million in September, mm. a 23.2 percent year-over-year increase, according to Air DNA, which I didn't even know what that was, but apparently mm. they do a lot of Airbnb stats. Yes, so exactly. The surge in supply is due in part to a 235% jump in luxury second home and investment property sales from April to June compared to a pre-pandemic levels 
as noted by Time Magazine. Yeah, so I read the article too, and it said in there, the number of available short-term rental listings in the U.S. skyrocketed to 1.38 million in September. So let's take a trip down hypothetical lane, kids. Yeah. Let's snuggle in. Yeah. <laughs> get warm and cozy, light the fire yeah. of your imagination. There you go. And let's talk about second homes. Mm-hmm. During the very prosperous last several years, if you were in a business and you were making money, you were like, you know what? Good times. Mm-hmm. And you know what? I want a second home. And you know what? I want a second home in a touristy destination. And if you're in California, it's somewhere by a beach or Big Bear, right. the mountains. That I can rent out, maybe make some money off of. Yeah. But you know what? People are making money everywhere. So you could get one in cities too now because Airbnb is working. And you can say to yourself, you know what? I can I can cash flow this and I can qualify for it. <laughs> right. But I can take a lot of the debt off the table by just Airbnb being my second home. Right. And that worked for a lot of people for a long time. Mm-hmm. But if you recall Airbnb themselves on their own last public statements, they they were talking about how these things are going to be impacted. Right. Their entire model is based on getting more hosts on their platform. Yeah. And this is how they got it. Right. A lot of second homes. Not to mention there's people who who are trying to scale their businesses in the Airbnb business. Right. Which I think is a terrible business model because it's more hospitality, which is more hotel-based, and that Mm. carries a lot of risk. And a huge headache. Huge headache. And as somebody who's been in the lending business for... Wow, I'm, I'm doing the math in my head, and it is a scary long time. Yeah, understanding why you got all that gray hair. Yeah, I'm just going to go ahead and not tell you how long it's been. But mm-hmm. I've been there a long time. The hotel business, when it's good, can be great. Right. The hotel business, when it's bad, can be really, really bad. And you see a lot of these hotels, flagged and unflagged, meaning they're carrying like a nationally well-recognized brand. Right. Or, they, or they're independent, owned and operated, mm-hmm. non-flagged. You see them go out of business. You see them have to be revitalized. There's so much work. They have the, a PIP. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, improvement plans that have to be done for the for the for the the hotels. If you're under a flagged brand like Marriott, you have to do all this work because you're a franchisee. Exactly. These these businesses live and die, yeah, by the economy. Mm-hmm. Even if you're in a touristy spot, exactly. Unless you're in like a prime location and you're ideally located, when people pull back on consumer spending, your 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 money goes down, right? So it should be no surprise that people in the Airbnb space who bought these second homes who are depending on that second income mm-hmm. by renting their property out are, are going to feel some pressure. And it sounds exactly like, well, that's what's exactly like what's happening. Yeah. Um, I read another article, too, that was mentioning how um, there's giving some examples. And I think uh, one of the hot markets during the pandemic was out in like Coachella, right? Coachella Valley. Yeah, man. And the, the amount of people who bought out there and were like, oh, I can rent it out just during that one week. Yeah. You know, maybe the second week in stagecoach or whatever, and I'm going to make my entire year back. Well, during well during the ban- pandemic, especially with remote work, people were, you know, going and getting these places rent and, like, working out of there weeks at a time, you know? And they were citing how they throughout the pandemic and even up until summer of this year, they were renting out 100% of the time. And then over the, over the last couple of months, it was maybe 70% of the time. Now, as of September and October, zero. I've been very, very, very skeptical of the growth of Airbnb. Mm-hmm. I really, really have, man. And people people who are, are the diehard Airbnb hosts and, and people who teach courses on this online, or they have been so attacking me every chance. Because I've been very, very vocal about this. Yeah. I, I still think like Uber, or like Lyft, these were sectors that were created as part of these companies being built and then going public. Yes. There was no value when, when Uber went public 
how are you going to value this business based on what metric based on what mm-hmm. what's your how, how are you comparing this to another business that went public how are you, what, how are you determining your ipo what's your multiple right you don't have anything this is a new business exactly airbnb was that way and while i think that they're going to be around in perpetuity they're going to be around for a long time mm-hmm. i do think that there's some serious problems with this business that it hasn't been impacted yet right look, let's look at some of the biggest companies in the world that we've now seen impacts with amazon Yes. How many layoffs has Amazon already had? And the CEO, as you know, to come out and said, you know what, guys, <laughs> we're not done. Yeah. Yeah. 2023 is going to be tough year, too. I know. And that's a company driven off of analytics mm-hmm. that they, they know what consumer spending is going to be like. Mind you, they did those layoffs right before Black Friday, Cyber Monday, all that was, you know, spending. They have a ton of spending. Yeah. Ton of spending. They know it's not going to be coming in. So mm-hmm. they, they laid people off. So if a company driven by analytics can tell you that they, they see where this is going. Meta. Layoffs, mm-hmm. massive layoffs. Oh, I'm I'm curious to know if Airbnb, do they when if you're you know signing up to put your property on there, mm-hmm. uh, would do they even tell you the competition you have within their own company in that location? No, but you can find out by just googling the address and finding what yeah, Airbnb's and you there. have yeah you have to go through all that. Yeah, and there's, there's there's third party software in addition to that where you can kind of hopefully people are doing all that research and all that. Because but I mean like you got to wonder. I I personally. Enjoy pride of ownership. Airbnb, in the Airbnb services. I know you do, but I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't get. I mean, I get. I guess when you want to be close, to tight knit as a family. But well, when you have, I want you have, room you, service, man. People want those perks. When you have little, bro, you got DoorDash though. Now you know I can go to. I can get food from whatever restaurant I want. They can bring yeah, it that's over. That's true. That's true. You know what I mean? But like, it's just a space for the kids. It's it's just a little bit more enjoyable. You know, it, you can quickly get access to your car in and out come and go you don't have to go down the elevator walk out, all that stuff just it's a little bit more convenient now typically we'll only go to places that are either we've gone to before or that we've enjoyed right you know what about cameras or nasty ass sheets <laughs> yeah i know i know yeah that stuff no, no obviously the reviews on it have to be are important bro reviews can be fake they're, i know that literally... i know i know but that's one a- that's one aspect of it but also we we referrals from friends friends and family that have gone um, like we this say, it's not a daycare, bro. This is just the the hotel. You, you could go to a hotel and not have to worry about any of this stuff. Yeah, I mean, theoretically speaking, that stuff. Not, I mean, that stuff could be there in the hotels too. I don't know what kind of hotels you go to, but what? I don't have that problem at the Ritz Carlton. Oh, 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 oh my bad. <laughs> we should edit Jay Z ball so hard in here. <laughs> ball so hard. Yeah. So I don't know. For for us, it's a little, it's a little bit uh, more convenient and enjoyable. Look, man, I get it, but here, here's the problem. Is, is people who got into this space thinking that they were going to have uh, a pretty consistent history of rental ownership and running these properties out. I mean, there's an area, there's a couple areas that I've, I've looked at recently. You go on to Airbnb and mm-hmm. they type in an, an address or an area, like a general like vicinity. Right. Like Arizona has this. There are hundreds in an area. No. Hundreds of Airbnbs. I mean, the map is like over. So much that you have to zoom in to see where, where they're at. Yeah. There are some areas, like especially resort areas that are like that. It's Man, just these cities it's are gonna be so like, saturated. These cities are going to be like ghost towns over the next couple of months. A lot, I mean, and here's the other thing, too, is as, as a dad, mm-hmm. as a husband, I don't want one of these next to me. Val point. It's true. Yeah, you don't know the type of people that are coming in there. Also, it could be a noise issue, noise factor, right? Like, you don't know who's coming in. Yeah. Yeah. Val point. That's what I do, make valid points. That's what you do. That's what I do. That's your value proposition. You're gonna steal my words and use it against me. Yeah. Come on, man. Can we do some QA. Well, we yeah, let's do it. We got some questions. You wanna go first? 
I feel weird that you got like five followers and got as many questions as I did. I got more. I got more questions. You, than you did, did get more than me. It's, it's yeah. very weird. Maybe, maybe I'm unreachable now. <laughs> We're trying, I'm trying to get up to eighteen. I'm trying to get up to eighteen. Eighteen. So the first question is clearly for you. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Why didn't you just go bald? Oh, well, easy answer question to that. Um, so I was balding and I had my hair transplant, mm -hmm. and uh, I think I look better with hair mm -hmm. because if I were bald. It'd be cold a lot. <laughs> Come on, man. Um, how do you know that's for me? It could be for you. Well, because in there I put a caption, let's get Chris against the ropes. Oh, okay, fair question. All right. Um, I have a weird-shaped head. It's mm -hmm. not a good look for me. I've, I've shaved my head before, but I always yeah. look like I'm a cancer patient. I don't, I don't look good. Uh, come on, man. It's not a good look. I'm just being honest. Like, it doesn't, it doesn't look like there's I'm struggling. No, there's nothing wrong with that, though. No, I mean, if, if you like looking sickly. No, come on. I like having a shaved head when I had a shaved head right before. Our Bro, if shoot. I had as much density as you did on your hair, I like having a shaved head too. When I when I shave my head, hey, I got you a see of, a lot of scalp hey, and some pepper flakes. Hey, listen, listen. I got a lot of density. You're right. Thank you for noticing. See, this is why I can't compliment you ever. <laughs> see, I'd be nice to you for like literally a second. Hey, this is the kind of shit that happens. Hey, thank you for noticing. Next question. Salt and pepper flakes. So, yeah, there you go. Uh -huh. A boy, longtime listener. One of the original five, mm. Ted Lifts. Ah, my man Ted. He says, uh, many of my friends don't understand how interest rates affect monthly payments on a house. If you guys could do a breakdown for layman, I think it'll help people who didn't take math. Well, easiest answer is to have them take math. Yeah. <laughs> so I, did, I, ran, I ran a scenario um, for Ted and his friends that he's hopefully, hopefully recommended to listen to the show. Um. So here's how they impact uh, your monthly payment. If you have average price of a home, approximately $400,000, okay, in the US. Okay. With 5% down, that's $20,000, right? You now have a loan amount of $380,000. At a 3% interest rate, which is what you would have got at the beginning of this year. Mm, good times. Right? Great times. Your payment is approximately $1,600 a month. Okay. That's a beautiful payment. That's a beautiful payment. That's just P&I. We're not talking about taxes and insurance as well, but just your principal and interest to pay the loan, right? $1,600 a month. You take that same house now with a 6.5% rate because rates dropped to a six handle. We'll just keep it there. Your payment is now $2,440 a month. That's a difference of $840 a month. Mm, that's 50%. That, yeah. So that's how, that's how interest rates impact your mortgage. In addition to that... I also did some extra math for our boy since he's been a long time listener. Um, you will have paid in the in the first uh, option with the three percent interest rate. You will have paid five hundred seventy six grand for that house that cost four hundred thousand. In the second, you will have paid eight hundred seventy eight grand for that house that costs. And that's really 000. the dual edged sword of the highest rates, right? So not only is it increasing your payment, putting strain on your cash flow, but over the life of the loan, you're getting hammered. Now most people will refinance down if they're yes. smart over time, but right. it, it's a good example of how much that interest can add up. Mm -hmm. And it, it, it is quite significant over time and it is compounding, therefore the problem and why your friend should take bait. Yes. But for those people who are, who are saying, well, you know, <laughs> 6% rates, whatever, I'll get a, I'll get a mortgage now, it's not a big deal. First of all, they'll probably listen to Dave Ramsey. <laughs> and second of all, it's easy to say that when you're not shopping for a home. Mm -hmm. And it's sure as hell is a lot easier to say that when you just started looking for a home, not when you were looking for a home, couldn't win one at you know a 3% rate, and now mm -hmm. here you are at a 6% rate with an ability to win one, but you have to accept you're gonna buy, be able to buy less home now because it's just that much more expensive. 
Unless you had the free cash flow and you're willing to sacrifice I it. Remember, so I remember a true story. And this was back in 2020 when rates rates were good, right? Uh, when my wife and I were shopping for a home at the in the city that we we're currently living in now. Um, we were going around looking at homes. And I remember our, our price point where we were looking at our buying power. We were checking out homes. And I remember having to have these conversations with my wife when she would come home. She's like, I can't believe this is what we can afford. We both work really hard, two jobs, and we can't even get into something that really fits our needs or real. It's really something we want. It doesn't meet everything on our checklist. Mm-hmm. Fast forward to now, I can I can't even imagine what people can afford, what they're actually getting. Like I remember somebody posted on their social media that they said when I was a kid, what I thought a million dollars would buy me versus now what I know a million dollars can buy me. Oh God, it's, it's, you know, so I used to think about the Fresh Prince of Bel Air, million dollars. That's what I could get. You know, yeah. <laughs> but now you see a million dollars is like, dude, this shack on the corner. Like, what is this? It's not ideal. Yeah, it's not ideal. I mean, I'm my wife and I have gone through this a number of times about, and, and Adam and I are very much aligned on this from Mind Pump. Mind Pump, Mind Pump, Mind Pump. There you go. <laughs> I, had to, I, had to, I had to stop and look at him. <laughs> For those of you who don't remember, whenever you mentioned a show name, yeah, uh, in the uh, in the podcast, the algorithm from from Apple Podcast will pick it up and it'll show yeah. that show as a related show that you might have an interest in. Yeah, it's an it's an inside joke for the longtime listeners. But, but because we love Mind Pump and we love Adam and and Doug and, and all the people at Mind Pump and Sal and yeah, the whole staff, the whole team, they're really yeah, nice. They're nice great at people. Mind Pump. Yeah, we didn't mention Justin because you know we love Justin. Saeed thinks he is Justin. No, which is no. awkward. No, Didn't you say you were the athletic one, Andrew too. Yeah, <laughs> look at you. Right? The whole team, I know. The whole team, yeah. Anyway, so the the idea is, ah, fuck it, I have no idea. Let's move on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Um. Next, let's see here. It's for you. If you were a type of food or meal ensemble, what would you be? Steak and potatoes. Steak and potatoes. Easy question. Uh, man, you stole my answer. What a piece of shit you are. I didn't steal your answer. Hawaiian, ri- Hawaiian ribeye and fries. Yeah, you would be fatty. Yeah. I'd be a filet. Yeah, you'd be a filet. Yeah, I'd, I'd be, be a Hawaiian ribeye. Yeah, you can be Way Hawaiian more ribeye. flavorful. <laughs> you might be yeah. flavorful, but you yeah. dripping in fat. That's fine. Most people can't finish you. I'm here for a good... <laughs> yeah, most people can't. You're right. It's that density, boy. It's, <laughs> it's that density. I know if I were to cut your ass off, you have a lot of striations down there. <laughs> I know what I'm saying. Hey, I'm here for a good time, not for a long time. Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> the true quote from, from Chris No exactly. in the interview that I had. From. I'm glad you remembered that. I, I was I, I wanted to see if you were going to pick that no, up. I did pick it up. I, we were in his shop and I was interviewing him and he said, I'm here for a good time. I'm here for a long time. I thought, you know, it's a financially it's, it's financial podcast. It's a financial right? podcast, bro. <laughs> we want it. We want this to last a long time. Not everybody's rich, bro. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was also so hard. Yeah, he does ball hard. He's good. Yeah, he's not struggling. He's not riding that struggle bus. Mm-hmm. So, what are the questions you got for me, Chief? Uh, I'm going to leave the last one off. So I don't think we can keep this. Uh, we can't even keep it PG rated. <laughs> want to give it a shot? No, I, I don't. I don't it, it, sound, it sounds bad already. Yeah, we'll leave it alone. I think we'll pass on that one there, Mr. Said Asshole Omar. Yeah. All right, my questions for you. There's not a whole lot. There's three. All right. My little sister said, who is your least favorite sibling and why? Psst, it's me. Mm, easy answer for me. Yeah, that sounds I, uh, super mature. Yeah, I have uh, one sibling. Easy answer. No, yeah, you do. That's kind of tough. Yeah, I got four. My, yeah, my, she's my favorite and my least favorite. Three, four, four. I got four. Yeah, I always forget one. Yeah. So which one is it? Huh? My least favorite sibling? Yeah. Is one that asked me if I'm. Well, here's the best part. She doesn't listen to podcasts anyway. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it is you. Congratulations. Um, 
This is from Donnie. Who will Saeed thank first in his Nobel acceptance speech? Mm. That's easy, man. I thank my wife and kids. But you know who I gotta thank? Um, you don't have to say my name. It's fine. It's awkward. Come on, man. You can call me Jesus. It's fine. It's gonna be Bernanke. I gotta, I gotta give a shout Bernanke? out. Bernanke. He already I, has one. Dude, what the fuck? I, I gotta give a shout out to the homie. I mean, we're we're homies now. We're in this. I get to sit at his dinner table. If I don't thank him for for teaching me the way, what Bro, am I gonna if, do? If you won a Nobel acceptance <laughs> speech, can you imagine? And I wasn't on that for yeah. being the color commentator yeah. no, of your I, life. I'm gonna I'm gonna have you introduce me. No, 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 no. <laughs> yeah, that's no, what you're no, gonna no. do. That's the way it works. <laughs> you're, you're gonna you're gonna read it. I'm not your key and peel. Yeah, you know, it's like it's like how I'm gonna I'm gonna pick you to like select me into the Hall of Fame. Balake. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, Balake. <laughs> hey, Aaron. <laughs> Blake. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. Oh, by the way, uh, on our new cover, if if everyone likes it, um, I asked everyone who wore the shirts better, and same guy, Donnie, said that I wore it better than you. What? That's what he said. You didn't even know what color your shirt was. That's fine. That doesn't matter. I wore it better than you. You wore. Don't do that. I'm gonna edit that photo. It's <laughs> not done yet. <laughs> I will fix that. I can put a pot belly on you easily. Yeah, that's easy. Yeah. I sorry. Correction. A bigger pot belly yeah, on you. Yeah. Oh come on. Yeah, now. that would not be hard work in Photoshop. <laughs> I already cut out half your wrist, and nobody even know it. <laughs> no, even know it. No, even know it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's late, man. It's twelve nineteen. <laughs> People are like, Syed and Chris are just out there having a good time. <laughs> no, man, we working. Yeah. This is where I'm sweating. It's getting hot in here. It's not getting hot in here. All right. Thoughts on two remote jobs working them simultaneously during your normal nine to five. Syed, this one's for you. We've actually talked about this before on the on the podcast. It's actually a good topic. Know to anybody who does this? That no, I don't. No, uh, nobody at all. Nobody. I, know. I thought we agreed we were not going to lie to our friends on the show. No, we know people. We know people that do this. But we? No, 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 no. You, you too. You know I, people. I know, know them through you. You, you know other people too. I do not condone this behavior. Yeah, you do not condone this behavior, right? Um, well, what we've talked about on the show before is we believe that that energy could be better served if you focused on your. You know, the job that you consider your career path and really grow and scale within that company or in that industry. Maybe take the time to learn, you know, some more skills on the side as opposed to another job to enhance your career. Um, so it's a better long term approach. I feel like you're really pussyfooting around this answer. Come on, man. That was a good ass answer. That was not a good answer. That, we, that was very politically correct. That was you were pussyfooting around. Whatever that term means, I don't even know what that means, but it sounds like it's exactly what you were doing. <laughs> Pussy. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. What is it? Where did that derive from? I don't know. Can I ask the, yeah, imagine it's like cat foot. <laughs> imagine the spelling bee. Yeah, like uh, spell pussy foot. And Can you're you like, use it in a sentence? Yeah, use it. Um, the origin, please. Uh, language of origin is oh, it's a uh, asshole. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it is. <laughs> That's the language of origin. Uh, what do you think? Uh, uh pussy foot. <laughs> no. <laughs> He's German. <laughs> Uh, we lost. Much. We lost half the listeners. No, we didn't. Okay, so what do I think? I, I, I think um, I have a different tact on this. I think I'm very, very. I shouldn't say uh, like pointed, but if you had a job and you're making less than a hundred thousand dollars a year, Sai's <laughs> taking a photo of me laughing and crying. You're a terrible human being. If you're making less than a hundred thousand dollars a year, I don't care where you are in the world. You should be focusing on trying to get that at your current job or pivoting your position to the point where you can get that. And let me explain by what I mean by that, uh, by that, by that statement. Um, sometimes the quickest way to move up in any company is to change companies. Mm -hmm. You can easily come into a company as somebody who's an analyst or uh, an assistant, and sometimes you'll get a great opportunity. Right. 
You'll grow from there and that company will value you. And sometimes there just won't be growth opportunities in the company, whether they value or not. You know, sometimes you just won't get those chances. Sometimes they, they label you as you're the analyst. Mm-hmm. You get pigeonholed. You do. And the quickest way to move up could sometimes be to change companies. But whatever you're doing to grow your skill set, you should be trying to find a way to get above six figures, mm-hmm. above $100,000, wherever you're at for your nine to five. Right. If you're not there, I think your time would be best spent outside of work trying to get the skills you need inside of work to get your salary there. Right. That is advice that I still take to this day. I think I, I told Saeed off the air, I'm not sure if I mentioned on, on the air, that I, I'm currently going down the CFA path for a chartered mm-hmm. financial analyst. Right. Or Yeah. Um, I don't have any real reason to do it. I just think it'd be interesting. It's three tests. It'll take me a couple of years, but, you know. I mean, if it's... Well, look, we're currently in the business of teaching financial liter- literacy. I mean, yeah, and I wanted an idea. So I've always been fascinated by the M and A world. Mm-hmm. And as an attorney, I have uh, one portion of that. As a banker, I have another portion of that. But the pro forma moving forward projections and some of the higher, you know, higher level analytics, mm-hmm. I usually rely on other people. Mm-hmm. And then I'm, I'm used to looking at the reports. I'd like to have more of a thorough understanding of how those things happen. And I do believe that'll help me in the workplace and it'll also help me here on the show. So explain to people what M&A is. Mergers and acquisitions. Right. So two companies coming together and merging or one being acquired by another one. And all the minutiae, the details behind all that, right? Another yeah. SAT book everywhere. Yeah. Look at you. So my point is, is, is try to improve your skill sets outside of work. Try to do the things you can outside of work to improve your skill sets inside of work. Mm-hmm. At some point in time, you you might feel like, okay, I'm above uh, a six-figure salary. I don't have a lot of upward mobility. I don't want to change jobs. I like my job. Uh, I want to learn some new skills or I want to start another company or I want to start investing my assets, which hopefully that's the one you, that you're the position you're in. Mm-hmm. Then you're five to nine. When you get off work to when you go to work in the next, you know, the next day in the morning, if you're, if you're not working for yourself, that's when you get those skills. Yes. And I've always recommended the way you get those skills is by starting a business or by going down a path and learning and building your personal. So much of us get lost in the ideology of being a good corporate soldier. But your corporate development is just as important, if not less important, as your personal development. Right. If you don't have the emotional maturity, if you don't have the understanding of some of the simple parts of business, you're not going to be successful inside a company because you're very lopsided in your understanding. Mm-hmm. I do a job. I do it from A to B. Those are people who grow in a company. Right. And frankly, if your skill set isn't growing outside the company and inside the company, then you should find a way to continue to grow. Piece of advice I probably need to give myself right now because I've been stuck in a... I shouldn't say stuck. I've been doing the same gig for uh, a long, long time. And at this point in my life, I'm not sure more money is going to make me feel more engaged. And that's the other part of that equation that's really important. Yes. Is humans are meant to grow and learn. Mm-hmm. We need to continue to do that. And Stay it's curious, right? easy to not be curious. Yeah. It's easy to read TMZ or be on TikTok. Right. It's hard to say, I'm going to read this book that's going to teach me a skill yeah, I'm gonna go, to, I'm gonna go to take a test, right? And I'm gonna see to, if I can pass it or not. To continue to challenge yourself, right? Yeah, it, the yeah. challenge is part of being a human. It's like resistance training for your muscles, for your mind. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, you have to, you're, you have to change up the workouts the same exact way, right? Because yeah. yeah, same thing. Yeah. So that was a prolongated answer to the, you know, to the question, but yeah. Well, I have a question for you. Okay. Here we go. No, it's, it's not. Why are you gonna be negative? <laughs> You're a negative guy. I'm not. Wow. Mr. I, Doom, Dr. Doom. 
Dr. Doom. I don't think that'd be my name. If I was an economist, I would have something much more cachet and sexy. Cachet? Yeah, like um, Pause. The, the Brad Pitt of economics. The, oh, here we go again with the names. No, I'm just saying these are what, good names. What's the Brad Pitt of economics? What does that even mean? Huh? It means that my the answers short guy? are always sexy. The short guy? I'm that, always in style. He's not short, is he? I think he's like 6'1", isn't he? 6 foot? No way, bro. He's no, Tom Cruise is he, a short one. No, no. Brad Pitt is like, he's short. He's like 5'7". I call bullshit. He's like 6'4". Six foot, six foot. Right, look that up on I your looked, phone. I looked at it right now. Stall. Well, buy, some buy some stall. time. Stall. Stall. Yeah. Uh-huh. I'm sure if you type it in, it's going to come up with the first thing. You, you got fat thumbs, though, and you're sweating a little bit. Come so on, you're probably, man. You're probably having some tough times that density, there. bro. There's that density. It says he's 5'11", so you know he added three inches. He's 5'8", bro. I'm telling you right <laughs> he now he's 5'8". Three inches? Yeah. Come on. Just like the NBA. <laughs> Although, I will say my listed height when I was playing basketball was like 6'7". Mm-hmm. I'm nowhere near 6'7". I'm 6'5". 6'5". Yeah. Yep. See? 6'5". That's two inches. Super sexy. Yeah. So... If you had to learn one skill set mm. outside of the office, and I know time is a valuable commodity right now, yeah. But you had to sit down and learn one skill set and learn one thing, what would it be right now? Okay, so not not what's in the books. I already know this answer. I didn't even know you were gonna ask this question. But if I could learn one thing, it would be literally the hands-on training of like a general contractor. Mm. That was the hardest thing for me to get. To me, so you know, after we bought the house, we bought an older home. Uh, it was built in the 70s. The person we bought it from was the original owner. Nothing was changed. And um, we have this guy that we work with that is a general contractor, and he does great work. And I stuck around. Um, I worked out of the house while he was there, while you know the kids were at school. And we, uh, at nights, we were staying at my in-laws. But I would stick around and watch him do the work, and sometimes he'd explain what he's doing to me, and I found it so cool and so fascinating. Mm-hmm. And how I mean, there's so and I learned so much throughout that process. That, that's that's really the only way to learn it. That's you, the only way. So you know, you can go to Home Depot and they can act, they'll actually teach you like tiling classes and stuff like that there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I didn't I, I didn't know that, but yeah. I mean, that's they have like the, classes they put on. It's pretty fascinating. Yeah, no, but I mean, even even just like there were so many little details that I never. I never learned growing up that like my dad never taught me and it was nothing that he took much interest in either. Once by the time we bought a home, um, it was later in life. I think I was like 14 years old and they bought a newer home. Right. Mm -hmm. So there was nothing to be done. You know, it was just plug and play. So having, having to go through this was, it was a pretty cool experience. And then once we did the renovation in the backyard too, uh, that was really cool too because I got to learn a lot too because the city kept coming out and we kept having to get permits and they would, they will teach you the process you're like, oh man, this this is all. Like, a good inspector really... will explain it all to you. Yeah, and I would ask yeah. him, I'm picking their brain because, and I was so grateful. Some people will complain that, man, my project's taking so long because you have to keep having the city come out and to get permits. Like, no, 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 you want that because they're making sure that they're doing the job right. Oh yeah, yeah, and you can and you can you know hold them accountable. I, I've seen I've seen projects where the permits weren't pulled and how different the quality of work is and the end result. It's mm-hmm. it's palpable, but. So I originally wanted to learn how to become, so I am a general contractor, uh, class B in California. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to learn how to do it all. And my dad was not, my dad never had the patience growing up to yeah. do anything construction wise. He was always pay somebody else to do it. It's not his thing. Mm-hmm. Car, auto mechanics, same stuff. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. But that's how you learn is by doing that work. Yeah. Right? Like you got to be bad when you start. Yeah. And it's easy to watch TikTok, people doing DIYs and stuff like that. It's cool. Mm-hmm. When it came to building a car, I wanted to have those skill sets too. So what I do, I bought an engine, took, tore it down myself, put it back together. Yeah. Now, I didn't start it up right away. I gave it to somebody else to, to look at it, make sure I didn't blow anything up. And then, mm-hmm. you know, did it okay. 
Um, but it's a process like anything, right? You just, like just throw yourself right in. You got to do it. And, and, and more than anything else, they call it a trade because you have to be in the trade. Mm -hmm. So I want to do the same thing in the construction world. And I could not get anyone to teach me in the hours that I was available because right. I had a nine to five. Right. So I originally want to take courses at a community college on the weekends. And my wife was like, all right, go ahead. Mm -hmm. I couldn't get them to, it was logistically, it was impossible for me to get into these. Like I wanted to take framing. Yeah. And they wouldn't let me do it. Wow. So I was frustrated. There's so much to learn in that field, man. Well, yeah. So when you take the con uh, contractor's exam, it, it covers framing, covers electrical, covers plumbing. It covers kind of all the core things you need to know as a contractor, right? Mm -hmm. Some HVAC is in there. Reading blueprints and plans is in there. Yeah. And it's a lot. If, if you went into it without having the experience, I don't I don't know that that would be very, it would be very monumental. And then right. you can take, there's two different tests. You can take them, pass one, fail the other one, and you know, if you wanted to. Right. It's not can, you be an, can you be an apprentice, on, on, like to work under somebody before, like to, do you have to like get hours like that? Or? So yes. Uh, so in my case, the way I was able to get my experience, I couldn't ever line up these classes. Uh, Hugo and I started buying properties together. Mm -hmm. And we bought, I think you remember the one in Tustin that we did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, we bought a property and I literally would just go out there with him. So he, he had some relatives that were in the construction trade mm -hmm. and they would come over and, and it was funny to that. So these, these are Hispanic guys who, who've been in the, in the business forever, mm -hmm. licensed subcontractors, they've been around and they loved it because they would come over, get paid to do the job, but I would constantly stop them and say, hey, like teach me, I'll do it. Yeah. So from sledgehammering asphalt to you know jackhammers to, to framing all that stuff, and they taught me. Yeah. But I was only able to be there because we bought this mm -hmm. and it was a project we were working on together. Right. But it, if it wasn't for me buying the property. So over a time that you can be an owner builder if you show them you have enough projects and experience and then you mm -hmm. have a, a contractor sign off on your work, a general contractor sign off on your yeah. experience. So I had the oldest licensed general contractor in the state sign off on mine. Oh, okay. And part of my job obviously at the bank is we do construction lending and everything else. So I had, I had the experience in aggregate. Right. But it was that hands-on stuff that was another level. Yeah, I love I love like tackling some of these you know do-it-yourself projects at the house, and I'll I'll give him a call. And this guy that we work with, he's so helpful. I'll call him and be yeah, like, Ben, hey, Ben, right? Yeah, Ben. Um, he's, dude, that dude, he's he's one in a million though. That guy's a jack of all trades. He's a jack. It's, it's, he's a jack it's of impressive. all trades, and he is him and his wife are the nicest people you will ever meet. And actually, Sarah said he's gonna call me. To, I want him to do my, redo my bathrooms. Yeah, that's how busy I am. I can't do it myself. I have to have somebody else. Yeah, but he'll he'll literally. Whatever he's doing, he's he's been working on a roof, like re like redoing someone's roof. Yeah, that guy right? does everything. It's Every amazing. by himself, him and his wife. That's yeah. it. And I'll call and this him. This is not a guy who pulls out YouTube and looks for like instructions. No, man, he he's done it all, and he'll be on a roof tiling, right? And I'll he'll, I'll call him, and he'll be on roof, answer his phone, and I'll be like, Hey, Ben, um, this is what I, this is what I want to do. I just want to make sure I'm doing it to code. He's like, All right, this is what you want to do, and then he'll send me the links. He'll send me a YouTube video. He'll send me like this is the part you should buy. And he'll he'll even know prices. Don't buy it from this place. Buy it from this place. I'm like, oh, this. Is, so I I really take a liking into that stuff. And I'll do I'll do it as much as I can before it gets a little too shaky. Like I get a little worried around like electrical stuff. I'm like, I'll try really? it. Huh. I'll try it, but I'm like, I ain't, I'm not trying to fry myself. Electrical. I've always been okay with electrical stuff. It's the plumbing that kicks my ass. Really? I just plumbing. I, I just suck. Yeah, it's not my expertise. When I was doing the framing stuff, so when you when you frame, you you frame everything according to plan, right? Mm -hmm. Then you rough in the plumbing and the electrical, mm -hmm. and that's usually when you'll have an inspection point when the inspector will come out, check everything, make sure it's according to plan, everything's good, right? And then if it's all good, you can finish up, insulate, close everything up, drywall. Yeah, right. But 
I have always been super par- hyper paranoid that I'm going to have some leak behind there that nobody saw or something. And just that's that was the number one thing that I, I was paranoid about about buying an older home was the plumbing. Yeah, pex so piping. That, so yeah. Then, yeah, so then that's what so then that's what I did right when I right when I came in. First thing I did was change the plumbing of the house. I was like, I'm not even fucking around with this dude. I don't want. I'm not. I'm not about to change change up the floor and get new cabinets or whatever, and then all, all of a sudden have like a, a plumbing issue. Well, I, I think everybody should do it at some point in time just to get, just to get a basic understanding. If you if you own a house, you should strive to do your own work if you can. Yeah, take pride in it. Take pride in it. Take take a little bit of knowledge in it, and, and, and know that your intimate working knowledge of your house can go miles and miles away. I never thought in a million years I'd be a general contractor. Right. Uh, but it was just me working on stuff myself and mm-hmm. taking that initiative. That's that five to nine to improve your mm-hmm. skill set. And honestly, what I do, and you know better than most, what I do every day at the bank, mm-hmm. having that additional knowledge, oh my God, it pays in spades. Yeah. So for you, is it the CFA? CFA is my next thing, yeah. That's what you want That's what you want. That's my next thing. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. You're gonna get that real estate license we talked about, or are we gonna keep doing this? No, I, I have already finished two courses. I have a third one to go, and then next is the state exam. Ah, it's, yeah. Can't wait for you to pass that. That's gonna be yeah. Come on, cakewalk. You know who you can work for, right? <laughs> gang, gang, myself. Black Crown Realty <laughs> Boy. <laughs> Let's go. This podcast is now sponsored by Black Crown. Yeah, we should do that. I don't know you. You don't watch basketball anymore, but the guys on NBA on TNT. Yeah. Um, is a running joke where they have like a stat of the night, and uh-huh. every night they go. EJ's Neato Stat of the Night, sponsored by nobody. We should we should have that until what somebody's is, willing to pay. What is that? Yeah, they have a, they have a segment of the show that's like the Stat of the Night. And I don't no, even know what you just said. And no one sponsors it. People that watch basketball, they know, and it, no one sponsors it. Don't don't shame me. Yeah, come on. This is this you is embarrassing me. for you. It's, it's not, like it's the number. It's the number one sports show on TV. It's one I'm, M- I'm Emmy after it. Emmy after Emmy. I'm supporting. Br- I'm on, supporting Brittany Griner. Charles man. Barkley's on it. Shaquille O'Neal's on Brittany it. Brittany Griner's in a concentration camp right now. I'm not watching sports till she gets back. Oh. I got nine years. I I do feel sorry for her. That is a really fucked up situation. There's a lot of people that are in jail in the U.S. still that had the same she had the same problem. Two or three. Vape capsules, hash pens, hash, yeah, hash pens, yeah, with marijuana. It's in a it. fucked up situation. First of all, you're an idiot for bringing it in the country. Let's just go with that. Okay? Yeah, but come on, man, nine years in a Russian concentration it's camp. Up. It's fine. I feel terrible. Yeah, that ain't right. No, of course it's not right. That you know, what's, you, know you know what also is not right. People that are in jail still here for the same thing. Yeah, it's legal well, in hey, every state now. When when during the pandemic, all those stores were considered essential businesses. Were they? And they were left open. Were they? Yep. Marijuana? Mm-hmm. Dispensaries. You don't smoke weed? No. 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 You just know that because you know that? I know. What, I, well, how do I know anything? I don't know, man. You're a weird dude. I'm a weird dude. Very weird dude. Thank you for listening to the show, everybody. And happy Thanksgiving. Oh, right. This is probably coming out after that, so you're late. Uh, we hope you had a happy Thanksgiving. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> we should probably explain a little bit. For those of you listening this far on the show, we love you and... The reason why we recorded so many uh, shows in advance, like we normally do not do, we usually have one or two show backlog, is because I am going to be in Orlando for Thanksgiving, uh, taking uh, my son to Disney World, and Saeed will be uh, having some time with the family as well, so we're taking a little bit of a break, yeah, a hiatus of sorts. I'll probably be coming into the studio still. Good, you should. Coming in gassed up. And there's been a lot of requests for you to do a solo episode all by your lonesome. Actually, um, I was speaking to some of the listeners that are engaging with me on the socials and they weren't opposed to maybe doing some some episodes on some like layman stuff 
stuff that I that I think we generally consider that we think is common, but don't make to, me you 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 think is common. No, 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 no. Hold on, you've said it for a long time. It's like oh, oh, people need to do their own research. How many SAT vocabulary words have you used tonight? I had to look up half of them. Come on, man. Lucky I have my phone in my hand. <laughs> no, but I, 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 I pussyfoot. Ma- what does maybe, that mean? <laughs> SAT vocabulary. <laughs> that was this episode. Said right? pussyfoot around the episode issue. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So maybe we once we start rolling out an, an extra episode every week. Yeah, that's that's what we roll into. Okay, well, we'll talk about it. Yeah. Hashtag blessed. Yeah. See you guys on the next episode. Good night, everybody. I hope you enjoyed today's conversation on the Higher Standard Podcast. Make sure to hit subscribe or follow on whatever platform you are listening to this on. If you like this episode, please write a review and share it with us. You're getting the show up and running right now, so every message, every review, and every note counts. This show exists to showcase what's possible when leaders decide to uphold a higher standard for their businesses, their investments, their families, and most importantly, themselves. If you want to see more of my content, I post daily on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. So be sure to follow me on your favorite social media platform. And with that, it is a wrap. And as always, I look forward to hanging with you all on the next episode.